Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman. I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. We are joined today by two, I don't want to say newly minted product managers, but uh, fairly recently joined the product management world. They were in adjacent careers and, and are now prioritizing innovations and doing the important work that product managers do. We're going to have a conversation today about breaking into product management and then what do you do once you got there? Like a dog who chases a car, what do you do when you catch that bumper? Uh, that's a terrible analogy, but uh, what do you do once you actually get achieve that dream that so many people have? First, Red, I feel like, you know, I keep talking about like we're trying to develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community, but I haven't kind of talked too much about the problem that the Product Management Center is trying to solve, and we've got two people here who are solving it, and I just want to quickly share it. So is that cool with you, Red? We need a little back and forth. Boom, 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 boom. I'm going to give you like an intro. Yes, it's super cool, Jeff. Let's do it. Man. Let's do it. So, you know, as product managers, you have such an awesome and important responsibility. You shape the future of innovations. You decide what gets prioritized and what gets developed. And innovations have the power to lift everyone and to enrich lives. But unfortunately... All too often, innovations exclude. Uh, they serve a select set of the population, and they're often sadly developed by a subset of the population. And so the Product Management Center is trying to tackle that from multiple angles, have people from all lived experiences and all backgrounds broaden their lens, think about it more about inclusion as they develop products, and also to bring new voices into product management that are currently underrepresented in the community. So those are a couple of problems we're trying to solve, a couple of ways we're trying to do it. I have to pitch. Red, do you mind if I pitch real quick one more thing before we get started? Well, I mean, is this part of the podcast or is this pre-podcast? This is podcast, pre-podcast. Oh, I guess it's, well, the podcast, it's too late for you, but hopefully you heard me talk about this in other episodes. Thanks for that, Red. Of course. We are having the Inclusive Product Management Summit this Friday. It is online. It is available for everybody, all walks of life. We want you there learning how to be better product managers. And uh, you're going to hear from industry experts, academic leaders, and it's going to be a good old time. If you think Red and I are entertaining, imagine two days of product leaders sharing knowledge after knowledge after knowledge. So register today. Please join us. If you're listening now, take a pause break. Go join us. Register at foster.edu slash IPM. All right. I spoke way too much. Red, can you tell people how they can get involved in today's conversation? Absolutely. So for starters, those of you who are out there, out there, out there listening in, if you're here live tonight, you're going to be able to get involved tonight because we are going to open up the stage for questions. That's Q&A. Now there's a chat that is live and going on right here in Clubhouse. If you look at the bottom of your screen, there's a little bubble where you can chat and propose your questions throughout the conversation. And when we get to Q&A, we'll start calling them out. And don't worry, 
We will not reference your last name. So if you're someone who's shy, please feel comfortable getting the question out there. Now, if you are super duper shy and you want to be involved in the community, you can also join our Slack group. In just a few, I'll put up a link to our Slack group where you can join tonight. And if you're on Clubhouse or if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can go ahead and reach out to either Jeff or myself on LinkedIn, Twitter, throw a stone my way, carry your pigeon. I've seen it all. Just ask to join the group. And that's where you can ask questions, get involved, and more so be a part of the larger inclusive product management community. So the third thing, and I will say, Jeff, that we always like to disclaim for everyone who's involved tonight, we are recording this. It's a live segment, which means that if you're someone who couldn't make it tonight, this is the absolute definition of inclusivity. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m., we are here to record the show, but we're across the airwaves for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of downloads for people out there who ultimately want to be involved in these conversations. So forget the FOMO. And if you couldn't, well, hello. Pleasure to meet you, and I can't wait to see you soon. Back to you, Jeff. All right, Red, love the energy. And now it's finally time to meet our guest today. Sorry for the delay. Red and I are just so excited about bringing the community together and excited about the Inclusive Product Management Summit. And sadly, one last thing I have to say, sorry, before we get to our guest, Samea could not be here today, but she will be at the Inclusive Product Management Summit. Uh, she's moderating a panel discussion on embedding inclusion throughout a product organization, which will help people at all levels think about how can you get inclusion deeply rooted in your entire organization, not just within the your sphere of control. So she can't be here, but she will be there Friday. Join us. Jalisa, sorry. Thank you for your patience. Tell us real quick about your background, what you were doing immediately before you landed a product management role. Yes. Good evening, everyone. Once again, Jalisa Fontaine. I'm an associate product manager for Oscar Health. Right before uh, working in this role, I was actually serving as a project coordinator for a health innovation lab at NYU Langone Health. In that role, I always say that I felt like I was operating as three different people. One, as a project management professional. Two, as a user experience research professional. And then three, because there was no product team, basically the intersection of user experience research and project management in that lab became the product team. And I felt like after doing that role for a year and five months and finally figuring out what exactly it is that I wanted to do, I realized that product management was that thing for me. And having come across IPMA, I realized that this is literally faith, <laughs> that I came across this organization that is very passionate about helping people like myself really take that leap into really making this an official career for me. And that's basically what I was doing right before. I have spent 10 years in healthcare. Um, I've done so in the function of the clinical side, um, sales and marketing, uh, like, like I mentioned before, project management, user experience research. So I like to say I tried out a lot of different things in this field, but that basically sums up my trajectory. All right. Thank you, Jerlisa. Thanks for being here. And for those just joining us or who missed the intro of what we're talking about today, while well, I talk so much about the Inclusive Product Management Summit, register today, starting on fr the events on Friday. We are here with three fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, uh, which is a program organized by the Product Management Center at the University of Washington to bring uh, more voices into product management. And these three people landed product management jobs, and you're going to get to learn from their experience landing that job and also you know, what do you do next? Uh, what happens when you get that first job? What skills do you rely on? And what is kind of the challenges? And we'll kind of share those across the three of them. So Dimple, PM at Walmart, uh, speaking from your own personal experience and only for yourself, of course, as our standard disclaimer. But tell us a little bit about what you were doing just before you became a PM. 
Yeah, of course. Glad to be here, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, I think to tell about my experience before my current role at Walmart, I was working with a biotechnology company called uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific. And I was a product specialist there. And in my role, I was kind of acting as a bridge between the customers and the product management. And uh, I used to gather feedback from customers, uh, qualitative as well as quantitative, and then use that to help the product management team actually prioritize what needs to be fixed or what needs to be a new feature or like what new or different thing that we need to do in our product to and actually improve the customer experience. So this is what I was doing. And uh, like, I was in that uh, role. I was just building up my profile for for a product management role. And uh, that is when I stumbled across IPMA program. And like now I'm here. So that's my story. All right. Glad you're both here in the room and also here in the product management community as a product manager. Uh, Joanne, you are also a, uh, were a fellow in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator and have a different path to product management than both Jalisa and Dimple. Can you share what you were doing just before uh, you made the transition? Yes. Before I became a product manager, I was working in the compliance security space, where I was working on audits uh, for my company uh, to help ensure our security postures. And actually, on that space, I also w- became involved in the product side uh, through accessibility standards, uh, where there is a compliance and product aspect. And I got exposure to product that way. And that's how I was able to make it the pivot into product. All right. So our guests today are three fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator who have transitioned into product management. Uh, we've got Jerlisa, who was in healthcare and then landed a product manager role in healthcare. We have Dimple, who switched, I believe, industries and companies and roles. And then we have Joanne, who stayed within the same company and had been taking on some responsibilities. So that's who you have to ask questions of. And anytime you want to raise your hand and ask questions, Red, I think we'll just let questions come as they do. As so. And Red, you could tell people more at 4.30 when we normally do it. But if anybody has questions or comments, feel free to raise your hand now and we'll get you up on stage soon. But I want to start with Jerlisa. What do you think was most effective for you in making uh, the transition? Like what practice did you do? What skill that you've had that you relied on in interviews? Like what do you think really helped you make the transition into product management? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing I will start off with is a little bit indirect to the question, but I think it's important to highlight is definitely the mentorship and coaching. I think that a lot of times we possess the necessary skills to transition into the roles that we're pursuing, but sometimes you don't know how to properly communicate those skills or you don't know how to probably organize your thoughts or be able to speak to the way that you practice what you do. So I would say that, for example, learning about the different product frameworks, learning about how to effectively interview, learning about how to properly communicate the way you launch a product to me was very important because I felt like in my prior role, while I was someone who was responsible for launching a patient facing dashboard, also launching a provider facing tool, I knew how to explain the way that I did that. But I think that by learning and practicing the different frameworks, both in terms of launching a product and in terms of prioritizing, I felt made it easier for me to explain the way that I did things during interviews. And I can definitely say that using those frameworks and learning about it through IPMA, through YouTube videos, through people like Diego who are always posting on LinkedIn, 
I felt like I actually received a lot of compliments during the interview process where they felt like, wow, like I really understand your thought process. I understand why you chose that particular product to launch. Like we get it. And I feel like if I didn't have this uh, program and I didn't know about these frameworks, I think that my interviews would have probably went left because I would have just been sporadically just saying random things about what I did and how I did it. So just to reiterate, practicing frameworks for both product launches and for prioritization, leveraging coaching and mentorship, and ultimately just learning how to be an effective communicator so people know how you do what you do. All right. Thank you for that. Dimple, what about you? What do you think was most helpful for you in landing a product management job in terms of either part of your experience that you leaned on or something that you did to make it uh, happen? Yeah, of course. I think I leaned on my uh, background and experience a lot. Like I, when I decided that I wanted to transition into product management, one thing that I did was I actually identified what are the transferable skills that I can talk about in the interviews or they'll be looking at for product managers. And I built up stories for those skills, like those transferable skills and a lot of those soft skills as well as technical skills. And I built up stories for every single one of them. And there are companies out there which actually look for certain PM competencies or leadership principles. So I identified those and built up stories for that. And uh, again, like as Jolisa mentioned, uh, regarding all the product interviews, just mock interviews, I did a lot of mock interviews, like weekly mock interviews. I had a consistent mock interview partner. I found her through LinkedIn and I just did like active brainstorming mock interviews with her. And uh, along with that, I was regularly talking to people on LinkedIn who were hiring. So I was looking at roles, like product manager roles being posted on LinkedIn, talking to hiring managers or recruiters or whoever I, I could find who were hiring for uh, product managers. And like, this is something that I talk about in my experience a lot. Like I did networking, but I did a lot of targeted networking, like relevant to the roles that I can get and I wanted to get into. So yeah, this is what I did. Thank you for sharing. And then Joanne, you had a different experience. You did an internal transfer as far as I know. So tell me what was most helpful for you in the things that you were doing to be able to make that happen. Yes, definitely. Uh, Plus one to what Jerlisa and Dimple said, because I think that's very applicable anyways. But for me, given my internal transfer, I had conversations with people in product in general, asking them, getting their advice on how to best do that. And I also talked to folks who did an internal transfer, whether or not it was in product. So that way I was informed of how the process would go. Additionally, I got in touch with the hiring managers directly to ask about the openings that they had. And that kind of helped with the process. The other thing I'd point out is because it's an internal transfer, it's important that you're doing well in the current job that you do have. I'd say there's, you know, probably sponsors out there in my company that where the hiring manager were asked if they should hire me. I had people who were able to say yes, that they should. The other part I would emphasize is that don't get down with all the rejections because it does happen. But, you know, having that community, having a support system, whether it's one other person or a larger group, like with the IPMA, don't get down, you know, with the rejections. Yes, it's hard, but if you keep trying, it'll happen. And you have the community to help help you stay motivated. If you just want to do some brainstorming, things to, to work on, feedback, things like that, just keep going and it will work out. All right. Thank you, Joanne. 
Red, how's my mic now? Is it any better? Am I still fuzzy? Yeah, <laughs> am I still fuzzy? I hope I never get asked that. Jeff, you, you're <laughs> you're fuzzless, my friend. Fantasmic. Awesome. I'm back. Sorry for the distorted audio. We're going to keep this in the podcast because it shows that we're real people, Red. Real people with real problems, not just perfect audio. <laughs> so, excellent. So now I want to switch gears. We, we heard from each of the fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator who successfully landed product management jobs at great companies. And I want to know... You know, what do you lean on once you actually start? So you're now taking on a, a new responsibility, a new role. What did you lean on in your first few days to gain confidence and to succeed? So I'll start with you again, Jerlisa. Yep, sure. I love that question, actually. So a couple of different things. One, I have been saying that I feel really privileged. And the reason why I say that is because my direct manager, who was a senior product manager, he's honestly a rock star at the company. And I feel like I learned about that during the hiring process. And I also learned that the first day of even being there because I was literally welcomed and greeted on Slack by so many people who work on both engineering and product teams. And it just felt really good to know that I lean on and I can ask a surplus of questions to without feeling like, oh my gosh, is this a stupid question? Am I asking the wrong things? Like this is a very welcoming community of people at my job. They're all very friendly. I consider them all to be geniuses. So I definitely feel like I'm in a good space where I can lean on my direct professional community at my job just to learn about the different products at the company, even outside of the tools that I'm responsible for. Number two, I also feel like sometimes people are a part of programs like IPMA, and they're fortunate to have access to a career coach. And I do want to give a huge shout out to mine. His name was Dante Delgado. And the reality is you don't leave that mentor behind once you get the job. The reality is while you're actually starting your new job, you should still be communicating with this coach and mentor because they're actually helping you gain the confidence that you need to feel like you deserve to be there and you're prepared to do that type of work. So the reality is I also still communicate with Dante, asking him questions about what does my first 30, 60, 90 days need to look like so that when he's helping me create that plan, I had a better conversation with my direct manager about it. And he was actually very impressed by the fact that I was able to effectively put this together, even without a lot of his help. So to sum that up, I would say, one, I can lean on my actual professional community at my job, but I'm also fortunate enough to lean on the IPA community, especially my mentor. Thank you for that. Dimple, what about you? What did you lean on to gain confidence, either the experience that you had or people or anything? What did you lean on to gain confidence and feel like you're prepared for success on those first few days or first few weeks? Yeah, I think I'll kind of repeat somewhat what Jarlisa mentioned, because the role that I have, uh, I am now a product manager in supply chain, and uh, I do not have any experience in that field. So for me, also, the key to key in the first few days was asking questions as many as I can. And uh, I also got like a really good team, which appreciated questions. And uh, I have a manager who actually encourages questions. And he kind of uh, like at every point of time, he asks questions if you don't ask like and he asks questions, even if you don't answer. And he like tells you a lot of things. And I can just brainstorm with him with any questions that I have on any product area that I'm working. So like asking questions is I think the one key and other thing is I think having in product team, in engineering team, or whatever stakeholders or business partners that you have, having some people who you can identify who will guide you through either the different uh, 
product goals that you are working on or you want to understand or the culture you want to understand or tech that you understand. I think I relied on a couple of people that I identified are really helpful and uh, I just go to them for any question that I have. So identifying those key people and uh, identifying who can help you with what, those key contacts and key people was uh, really important for me. And I also had this opportunity where in my team, we have a planner, an onboarding planner, where we are to, we are given like uh, some tasks for each week. Like, how do you talk to people? Uh, you And we are assigned a buddy. And that was really helpful in understanding everything that I had to do, all my responsibilities and uh, talking to people, getting introductions and uh, navigating a lot of the stuff uh, like uh, Walmart being a bigger company, uh, understanding where to go to find something. It's not easy to do on your own. So having a buddy assigned, that was also really helpful. All right. Thank you. And then I see somebody with your hand raised. We'll get you on stage in just a moment. But first, I just need Joanne, or I don't need, I'm asking kindly, please. Joanne, tell us what's been most helpful. What have you leaned on in those first days uh, that set you up for success? You've now been in the role for several months, but uh, those first few weeks, first few days, what helped you make this transition successfully? Yes. So for me, um, similarly to Jerlisa and Dimple, keeping in touch with the mentor from IPMA has been helpful, asking them what to focus on in my 30, 60, 90 days. And also, as I mentioned, because I was an internal transfer, I had those product people that I had gotten in touch with already. And so I made sure to ask them as well in terms of things to focus on and the other part is because it's a new role it's also good to ask your manager and focus on the team if there's already a 30 60 90 type of document so for me i asked around but my manager asked me to create she's asked me to share it as well so i think it's a onboarding 30 60 90 checklist is always evolving and um getting the right resources from the get-go is important finding those people that you can brainstorm with i've identified um, some peers where we want to do we've set aside time every couple of weeks to brainstorm because we want to be make sure that we're having those idea sessions so that when we go to our managers we're also more prepared in our how we state our ideas so it's really helpful to find those people on the team to be able to do that all right. Thank you, Jerlisa, Dimple, and Joanne, three fellows in the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator who have made the jump to product management, sharing with you, the listener, what they did before and what they did, what they leaned on in those first few days, first few weeks to be able to feel confident and, and to succeed. Now it's time for you, Red, time to start inviting people to get their questions answered. Absolutely. And Dimple, I saw you uh, came off mute right after I invite mm -hmm. folks up. I'd love for you to weigh back in on what uh, you were about to say. But for everyone mm -hmm. else out there, just as a quick note, this is the time for you to do question answers. So if you look at the chat bubble, this is where you can type in your questions and you can raise your hands. At the bottom of your screen, there's a little notepad next to the mute button. Just click that, raise your hand and we'll invite you up on stage. Dimple, what were you going to add as we're waiting for folks to come in for Q&A? Yeah, thanks for thanks Red, for mentioning that. I just wanted to mention, yes, uh, I also leaned on my IPMA mentor uh, even after I started my role. So shout out to Charles. Okay, well, thank you. And I'm glad from a shout out perspective, this will be recorded forever. So you can absolutely make sure uh, that everyone hears this forever and ever. Nimish is our first brave guest to come up on stage to ask questions. And the stage is yours, my friend. Again, this is a chance for you to be as succinct as possible. And because you're surrounded by product managers, good news, my friend, they 
can ask for clarity on your question if they are not aware of what you're really asking, because that's what product managers are really good at, clarifying questions. So Namish, the stage is yours. What do you have to ask? Thank you, everyone. Great talk so far. So I have an opportunity right now in my company for internal transfer. So I expressed my interest about product management to my immediate manager, and he actually set up a meeting with a group product manager this last quarter. And through my self-study throughout that 45-minute conversation, the group product manager was more interested and like gave some good compliments that I was able to comprehend the fundamentals of product management. So my question is, as I'm, are there any key steps uh, that I can take? So I have been given opportunity to shadow probably for next quarter, one of product manager. And question is, if, if I move into that internal role, uh, probably more question towards Joanne. How do you? How did you gain confidence of engineering leaders where where you were uh, currently and say individual contributor, but you'll be transitioning into that role. So you you have been like you have been reporting to lot of engineering leaders for say past three years. Joanne, so it looks like this one's directed at you. What are your thoughts? And again, feel free to ask questions back to Namish if you want more clarity. Sure, sounds good. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, I'd say great initiative on that and that's super helpful that your manager is already helping you with that. One of the things I would say in the process, when it comes time for the interview to happen, it's always helpful to ask them before, what should I expect in this interview and how to prepare? That way they can help tee up how you best prepare because getting it directly from the people interviewing you is really helpful. The other part is, as you're doing the shadowing, that's a really, really great opportunity to, yes, ask your questions, find out the day-to-day day, day -day is like, find out, see if you can already uh, provide some contributions as you're shadowing, given like if there's a di discussion, brainstorming session involved, raise your hand to be, to just, you know, shadow and see if you can be involved in that talk as well. And then and moving forward, like with this opportunity as well, um, do one-on-ones with the people you shadow or ask those people who else you should connect with. So that way you can continue to build your network as you're going through this process, because no matter what happens, you'll have them to refer to and it'll be really helpful to uh, just hear from their experiences as well. Joe, I know that you first answered this, but Nimish, I'd love to give the other speakers a chance to weigh in on the same topic. And now you called out one individually, but Julissa Dimple, is there anything you would want to add to that? I don't mind adding, actually. So even though I wasn't an internal hire, what I will say is because you have the chance to actually shadow for a quarter, I think that it's a great opportunity for you to basically like sit on meetings and if you ever feel like there's an opportunity for you to show that you know how to solve a particular problem or you think that maybe just having the chance to like walk someone through a process for probably solving that problem, I think that you should just be using those opportunities to really speak as a product manager, show them that you're thinking like a product manager so that when they actually consider you for an internal hire uh, as a PM, they can be able to refer back to the fact like, hey, I remember when the Mish said A, B, C, D, and that really spoke to us and let us know that, hey, I think that you can really do this job. So I would just say that outside of just shadowing, make sure you're also speaking up, make sure that you're showing out for yourself. And I would also say, like, try to, like, maybe even pinpoint particular projects that they have that you think that you're more aligned with and then just figure out how you can be a contributor. I know for sure that's helpful because 
even in my four weeks, actually tomorrow makes my four weeks at this job, I have met people who are trying to be internal hires into PMs. And they've been telling me that their plan literally has been shadowing, taking on extra responsibility uh, for certain products to really show that they have the capability of doing this type of work. And there are two people that I've met who are literally in the process of transitioning into product because they did those things. So that'll be my advice there. Fantastic way in. And as you said, it doesn't have to always be an internal hire, but uh, Namish, thank you for the Q&A. Dimple, I see you came off mute too. Are we going for the hat trick of advice? Is that what's happening? I just wanted to add that I think if your question was around that you were working with a lot of engineer leaders as individual contributor, and now you'll be as a working as a partner if you get to work as product manager where you'll kind of weigh in on product decision making so there will be a power dynamics change is this what you're getting at yes somewhat because i've been at the same company for a while so i know a lot of in and outs of our product as in general so i know it would like the initial transition period would be a bit challenging so yes i was getting to that same point yeah, I think uh, that's a great thing. Like, and you can use it as a pro, like uh, as a leverage because you have been working a lot with the engineering team. So you know the ins and outs, as you mentioned. So you will be able to know them personally, professionally better than anyone else. And you can leverage that for a very successful partnership and efficient uh, uh, execution of your product. So that'll be a very good positive for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I got... Tons of notes, so excited for this shadowing opportunity. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, and thank you so much for being brave enough to come up on stage. Also, while you were giving this uh, great opportunity for Q&A on uh, mission, we're going to send you back down to the crowd. So fly, fly, woo! We also have questions coming in, or not questions, but really, uh, there's an individual, Safat, thank you, has been dropping advice after advice. I mean, we're looking at it just raining and pouring incredible nuggets. So uh, as an opportunity for those who are listening in, hey, hopefully you're creating a little bit of fear of missing out for not being live on today's show. But some of the things that we're seeing is, you know, dog food, your product. You know, we just heard about this. If you've been somewhere for a while and you know your product, this gives you a really good competitive edge over other people who might be wanting to step into this role because you're so close to it. Another thing is, and I love this, but meet with sales. You know what? If you're going to spend time with the frontline people who are trying to sell this product, you're going to learn so much about who the customer is and how they talk about this product before they even buy it. You know, you shouldn't just be building for your customer, but the opportunity that the marketplace is offering you. And a lot of times that comes from the sales team, not from your customer advisory boards. And that's not just an opinion. That is more of a bold fact. And then I would love, Jeff, if, if Sumea were here tonight, we might have uh, to go and challenge one another on that one. But tonight, alas, she is not here. And with uh, no questions on stage at the time, I'm going to pass it back to you to stoke what I consider to be my favorite part of every podcast, my friend, controversy. Can we get the three guests tonight to say something that ultimately the others do not agree with? That is your challenge, my friend. Back to you. And for everyone else who has a question, please keep them coming. Red loves audience engagement. So please get those hands up if you have any questions for our product managers, uh, newly minted at Oscar Health. 
Walmart and Box. So real quick, Red, before I get to our guests, I do have to plug one thing. The sponsors. The sponsors who have generously supported the summit coming up this Friday. The Inclusive Product Management Summit this Friday and Saturday. Amazon is a platinum sponsor. They invested at the highest level. They'll be sending dozens of their product managers to learn best practices in managing inclusive teams, building inclusive products. Also gold sponsors, we've got Microsoft, Axon, Motorola Solutions, and Zillow. And all of these companies are hiring and all of these companies are committing to inclusion, not just financially investing in this summit, but sending their time, which is very valuable, sending people to learn and share best practices. We're going to learn why inclusion is critical in product management, how to drive success through inclusion and inclusive AI, how to make inclusive AI and how to drive success with inclusive AI. So it's not just about becoming a more inclusive product manager. It's about becoming a better product manager because I firmly believe that inclusion is a path to standard success metrics in product management. So speaking of standard success metrics in product management, my question, and I'll let one of the three of you come off mute first, whoever wants to take this first. How did you define success for your first days on the job? So you can't really wait until you launch a new product and you can't really wait until that new product or new feature starts to get adoption and all of that. So how did you, what did you look at as success for your first month or so, or your first few weeks, days on the job? So like I had mentioned before, uh, I did submit like my 30, 60, 90 day plan to my manager. And I even spoke over it with the group product manager. Um, I actually themed every 30 days. So basically how I broke it up was May would be what I call Oscar University which is really just an opportunity for me to like learn. I think that I'm in a very fortunate environment where everybody wants me to actually use the first 30 days to ask as many questions as possible, to learn as much as possible. So for me, it's a matter of understanding two key things. One, what exactly is the company as a whole trying to accomplish in its respective market or industry? And then two, what are the products that my team is responsible for trying to accomplish and contribute to the company itself? Because um, Oscar does have two to three different ways of building revenue. So I think it's very important to understand like how my products or my team's products are contributing to that. So basically what that learning process looks like is me once again sitting on literally as many meetings as possible that are focused on my team's products and overall other team's products. And then on top of that is literally me like actually having like one-on-ones with my manager. And during these one-on-ones, he's actually breaking down each product and showing me like the workflow, explaining to me why this is even important, explaining to me the history behind why this product even exists and why we're trying to pursue uh, the next few things on our roadmap. So I feel like the first 30 days is really just your learning period. And once again, asking questions. And as you're listening to them, also ask questions about the problems that they're experiencing, right? Because you really want to show them that you know how to think and that you know how to act right solve those things. So that's pretty much what my first 30 days entail. And then really also like scheduling a bunch of one-on-ones with different product professionals, definitely the engineers on your team or engineers on other teams that you probably will be working with for certain things. And then I think someone, I think maybe Jeff or Red had mentioned this, something about sales. But if you can even like try to have one-on-one conversations with people who are literally selling your company's products to people, like understand what they know about the product and what they think are actually the best parts of it that they think make them even pitchable. So that's basically what I think the first 30 days should consist of. 
I agree with what Jerlisa said. The thing I would add is if you can start shadowing a lot of the meetings where your manager is in or even customer meetings, just be a fly on the wall and observe. So that way you can really take in how those meetings could would be so that when it's time for you to jump in and be the active one involved, it won't be the first time you're seeing it. You'll be you'll already have seen how the conversations go. And also that way, you know that when it's your turn to lead those types of meetings, you know what types of questions to prepare after having seen those customer uh, meetings, those executive meetings. Do we get the hat trick? Dimple, do you have uh, something to add how you define success for your first days or weeks on the job? Yeah, of course. In terms of shadowing, I don't think it's norm, at least uh, from what I observed, to have a lot of a lot of people uh, in the meeting with uh, partners slash customers is what I'll call for my product because right now uh, like when we are talking to customers and onboarding for onboarding we at least in our team uh, we don't have room to add a lot of people to shadow so that's not something that happens in my team but. Uh, for me personally, I think it's just been for the product areas that I am working on. For me, it is understanding the goal of stakeholders and how I can align the goals of stakeholders and the pain points of customers and get to a middle point where I know how can I achieve both of these goals and what would the key result for the goals look like, like for my particular product. Like if the goal is to save money, what all do we need to do? What will it look like for my particular product in terms of features or new bug fixes or uh, anything like that? What will it look like on results side, which will actually help us achieve that goal? So I think Jolisa mentioned it's been talking to a lot of people, stakeholders and uh, people who are directly talking to customers. For me, the customers are internal, uh, they are drivers. So talking to them, uh, talking to customers, people who are involved with customers, stakeholders, everyone in our like, engineering team, so that I can understand what's the goal and how are we planning to execute it. Yeah. All right. I want to turn more to the negative side of product management. I'm always the optimist, but I think it's important to share what did you wish you knew before you started your role? So any sort of hiccups that could have gone a little smoother if you had known something or yeah, just anything you wish you would have known before you started as a product manager? I don't want to say necessarily about like particular skills. I would actually say about the tool. Like I think it was Dimple that mentioned that she's working on supply chain and she doesn't have a background in supply chain. And similarly, similarly, so for my team, we're actually working on a bunch of back-end tools that don't necessarily need any type of UI. A lot of the work that I did in my prior role was very patient or consumer-facing, which actually required a lot of UI experience. And for that reason, I felt like coming into this role, I felt a bit insecure. Like, you know, am I asking the right questions? Like, am I deserving of this role if I, I'm not really certain about how these type of communication tools even work since I've never had the chance to work on them. They were aware that my experience wasn't in this, but they brought me in because they felt like the way that I walk them through the work that I do, let them know that I can do this type of work. But I definitely feel like I started off with certain doubts in myself. And I do feel like sometimes I do kind of wonder like, oh my gosh, like with me having my first project coming up, which was surrounding a phone IVR, interactive voice response. I don't have a background in that, but I do look forward to doing that type of work. And in the back of my mind, I'm kind of wondering like, oh my gosh, like, am I going to do well with this? Where do I even start? 
is this going to be any different than the work that I've done before in terms of like just how I process things and do things. But in reality, I have to just remind myself like, hey, listen, they brought you here because they know that you deserve to be here. They know that you're smart enough to do this type of work and they trust you to figure it out. So why not have that type of faith and trust in yourself? So I feel like that's kind of like the lack of confidence that I had coming in. And I feel like I'm growing to be more and more confident. Another insecurity I think I even came in with is this company works a lot with PRDs, product requirement documents. And at my prior role, we did things that were more so surrounding like decks, PowerPoints, maybe a one pager outlining why we're working on certain products. And because I haven't had to create a whole 10 to 20 page PRD and they do so much work around that, I have been feeling like, oh my gosh, like when is my time to do this? Like, am I even going to do it well? When they ask me questions about my PRD, am I going to do a good job even explaining it? But then I had to also remind myself, this is just a different way of communicating why you're trying to pursue a certain product and how you plan on doing it. So even though it's not a PowerPoint, it's a document, it's still the same content, it's just presented differently and I should still feel fine confidence to do so. So those are some, some of the things that I felt like I lacked confidence coming in with. I feel like I'm still working on getting that confidence, but I know I'll get there. Thank you for sharing uh, the vulnerability, I think, builds trust and helps others people see that they're not alone and, and those very similar feelings and emotions that I, I think are quite common. Dimple, anything that you wish you knew before you started as a product manager? Yeah, I think um, this is something that I knew, but I still wasn't ready for, which is that product management responsibilities differ a lot uh, depending on the team or product or company you go to. And when I was onboarded in my team, the kind of responsibilities that were mentioned by my manager uh, that I'll be working on, they to me did not seem like product management responsibilities. So I think it took me a lot of navigating and a lot of advice from my mentor and other friends to actually understand what the responsibilities of a product manager would be, what am I getting, then talking to my manager, that and clearing that path to like what kind of responsibilities was I looking for when I interviewed, when I talked, talked during the offer and kind of setting, like being on the same page regarding that, that took a lot of navigating for me. And uh, even after clearing all of those and uh, having some product areas to manage, I think one thing that I'm still looking to deal with is limited resources. I think, uh, and I've seen this in most of the places and with most of the product managers that we have to work with a lot of times with limited resources whether it's on the people side or on the tool side, that uh, you don't always have everything that you need to solve the problems that you are asked to solve. So how to navigate those limitations and uh, overcome those to actually deliver what you are asked to deliver. So these are like, I think, two things that uh, I observed. Thank you, Dimple. And now, Joanne, one or two things that you wish you would have known prior to becoming a product manager. A couple of things that comes to mind is uh, you kind of hear about it, but you know, you get thrown into it once you actually see it. It's the part where as product manager, you get a lot of different responsibilities. Mean like say, oh, I see that you're the PM for this. Do you own this? Do you own that? And navigating that in a way where you don't, you were in a knowledgeable way. I'd say, you know, finding the places to ask like, oh, does our team own this? Or yes, maybe. So things where you're able to find the resources 
of like if you don't know the answer like being able to find the resource to help you find the answer is really important to keep in mind the other thing to keep in mind also is that a lot of people will ask you to do a lot of different things so like prioritization and keeping track of everything is also very important so those are things to keep in mind where you hear about it but then once you're actually in the role tackling it is another another thing so all right red are you red e Oh, come on, man. You know, don't, don't, don't even like grace him with the giggle people. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Jeff. You know, I got to tell you, uh, while you were all having a conversation, a very inspirational moment happened in the chat, which was that we had not only someone who was helping out earlier spot with back and forth, but Namish had found a friend, a partner, someone that Namish didn't previously know saying, hey, would you like the opportunity to interview with me and practice interviewing and asking questions with me as a practice buddy? And I have to say, this is the organic thing that we're looking for in the community of product management is for people to role play, to practice with each other, to help each other grow independent of what company they are at and independent of the goal of an individual, but rather for the whole sum of all parts. So Jeff, I think we did a magical thing here and uh, this has never happened on our show. So the three guests, thank you because you inspired this audience to just want to give the same way you're giving now. That said, as much as I love lovey-dovey giving, I asked Jeff to stoke controversy. And I can't say that he succeeded because you all either complimented each other or uh, agreed with one another. And that's not wrong, but it does leave the big question. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not wrong. <laughs> but here it comes. Yeah. Well, so we see a lot of best practices. Jeff and I have been doing this for over a year and they're paired it everywhere. Everyone's like, this is the best practice and that's the best practice. Well, guess what? The question that we've never asked on this show, and I'd love for each of you to give an attempt at answering it, was which one best practice do you think are naive or just flat out wrong? Oh yeah, that's right, I asked it. There's gotta be a best practice that everyone else says, oh, this is the thing you should do to be a great product manager in your first 60 or 90 days. And you're just like, nope. That is just absolutely wrong. And I'm not even going to hint at what those could be. And if you are declining it, I completely respect it. But Jeff, you approve of this question, my friend. You have my utmost approval. Excellent question. Who's going to take it? Who's going to come off mute and share something that they think is just wrong or didn't work for them? You know, I'm going to jump in this one in red. Honestly, I love your energy for trying to ignite controversy and some type of debate. Unfortunately, I don't know if what I'm about to say is going to ignite that. Uh, but what I will say is one of my famous questions during my one-on-one -on -one check ins with different product professionals at my job has been asking them, what do you think are like the most necessary or the most required skills in a product leader in this market? And I always give them background context where I feel like when I listen to podcasts or watch YouTube videos, People will say that the most important skills for you to have as a product person is curiosity and empathy. While I won't say that is a wrong answer, I think that's a very, what's a professional way of saying this? I think it's a very, it's too much of an innocent answer, in my opinion. I think that that type of answer and that type of response makes someone sound really cool makes them sound smart, but I don't think that those two things necessarily transfer into an actionable skill. So for example, like between myself, Dimple and Joan, we've been saying how, you know, obviously for your first 30 days or whatever, it's important to listen, it's important to shadow, it's important to have these one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I think that's something that we probably left out is 
even just finding an opportunity to do something, finding something small that you can contribute in your first 30 days. Uh, that way you just have your hands on something. And I think that one thing that I probably did was after sitting on one initial uh, sprint retro and planning session, I actually realized that the engineers kind of felt like there was more that could be done during these sessions to make it more fruitful, particularly in the way that it was structured. So what I decided to do was kind of treat it as an experiment where I proposed to my manager, hey, listen, I know that we talked about my first 30 days just being listening, just being quote unquote curious and asking questions, but I do want to do something actionable. And I think that action is me creating a survey, asking questions of the engineers to better understand what they think this current meeting does and what they think it's supposed to do. And then ultimately I can generate a report with that feedback, bring it back to our next session and ultimately just decide what needs to happen going forward so that everybody's producing their best type of work. So I think, I don't want to say that my answer is someone told me something wrong. I just think that saying things like just be curious or just being empathetic with your users or et cetera, isn't enough. I think that people should be trying to help you find more actionable things to do early in your product career. So that's my response to your question. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. The gloves are off, people. The gloves are off. Joan or Dimple. Dimple, you came off mute. Please tell me. Ding, ding, ding. Is this something you want to <laughs> push back against? Or do you want to even throw out some more flavors of controversy? I think I will push back a little bit because when you say curiosity and empathy are i think i see what you're mentioning like because they are uh, they seem basic and being actionable is what actually drives being a product manager but to me curiosity and empathy i think as i mentioned because i'm coming from different fields so i am relying on my transferable skills and to me the two not two the most important but two of the most important like one of the most important skills that i am relying on is empathy like because even if i come from a different field i can empathize with any user and i can understand what prop what kind of problems are they facing with the product that they are using or what kind of pain points are they feeling which ones are important which ones we do need to take care of which ones we need to prioritize i think all of that stems from empathy it starts from there and when you have that i think you start asking right questions and even when you mention surveys I don't know if surveys are actually the right way to ask questions to someone rather than just having a conversation with them and asking them about their experience. Because when you ask people questions, when you ask people about their experience and just listen to them, you might get to a lot more points, pain points and questions than you would if you give them a survey. Because surveys generally ask very specific questions that you think are those are about the problems that you think are problems, but they might not be problems or they might be very smaller problems. There might be bigger problems that you'll get to know if you talk to customers yourself and just let them talk about their experiences. So I do understand the need to have small wins, especially when you're onboarded as a new product manager. And I, this is something that I am also looking for or I also did like, I also did have this goal, like having a small win. I created a demo and uh, I had this demo for a presentation that we wanted to have for field. But uh, still, I think one thing that is very important to me is having that curiosity and empathy and asking, just talking to customers and uh, getting to know what they are experiencing when they actually use the product. 
Ooh, I love that. I'm actually going to come back in there really quick because I want to highlight two things based off of that. I love what you said, Dimple. The first thing being, I think that my pushback on that would be, while I think that those two skills are very important for the beginning, I think those two things never stop. And I think that's the reason why I have an issue with that response because you never lose those. In order to be a real product leader, that's something that you just have to keep doing. I think the issue is helping people understand like what those two themes look like in terms of your actual day-to-day. So for example, just listening to your response, right? You were able to break down what those two things mean to you and what they look like. I think a reality is everyone doesn't take the time to do that. And that's why that answer is kind of blah sometimes. So I like that you broke that down. And then two, in terms of survey, right? I think sometimes it's important to think about like who the stakeholders are, right? So for example, like you mentioned something very important where you talked about users, right? And having that actual conversation with them because you expect them to give honest feedback. But when you think about your engineers being different stakeholders and sometimes being a bit concerned about sharing something or being too raw, and maybe they may get pushback, they may be nervous to share certain things. So the cool thing about doing surveys for internal teams is, It's anonymous, right? When you submit it, nobody can pinpoint that it was you that said that. So you don't have to be insecure about being honest or sharing certain things. And then by bringing that feedback back, you realize that there were other people who shared your sentiments. And now there's a better opportunity to have a more fruitful conversation because you no longer have to feel alone. So I feel like it's very important to your point that when trying to collect certain information, understand who your different stakeholders are so that you can approach them uniquely so you can collect the right information. All right, we are due for concluding thoughts, but I need Red to feel like he got the controversy he wants. So Joanne, do you want to moderate or weigh in and settle this dispute once and for all as to where the majority of the panelists fall on this issue? Um, I don't know that it will settle it, but what I'll say is that best practices are called best practices for a reason. There's so many of them that you, if you really take it into account, it's kind of hard to put them all into practice right away. So if you pick and choose what works for you from the beginning versus later on, that's definitely up to what works in the right moment for the PM in the company in terms of being able to on-ramp and onboard into the role. So there are so many best practices out there. So you have to pick and sometimes you have to pick and choose about what to apply and you can't do it all. And that's the reality of it. It's almost as if you have to prioritize which uh exactly (laughs) awesome i enjoyed this conversation red thank you for stoking controversy in the closing minutes here it is time for concluding thoughts and i will go in reverse order since we we called on jerlisa first most of the time here joanne any concluding thoughts you'd like to leave the listener with getting the role is just what the first step actually growing into the role and really establishing a strong foundation is another thing so once you have the mindset of you know being all in for product management yes one part of it is you know getting the role but remember that the other part is actually executing and the strategy part and so even if you don't have the role yet getting those skills and practice in is really, really helpful to help you be successful overall once you do have the role. Thank you. And Dimple, any concluding thoughts you want to leave the listener with? Yeah, I think Joanne mentioned it perfectly that getting the role and growing into the role are two different things and you can grow into a role without being into the role. And uh, if you do that, I think getting the role would not be that far away. And I think there are always hurdles in getting any role or any goal. So I think 
in this job search process or getting into product management uh, there will be hurdles and uh, i hope i learned a lot during my process and i grew a lot during the job search process and uh, i think it's just about keep going and uh, learning from the process and hopefully enjoy it chair lisa i want to just third what johan and dipple said but yeah i would just say just you know manage a plan for like getting the job but also try to have a plan for what type of product professional you want to be and like dimple said like honestly enjoy the process like keep in mind that like as you're going through interviews even if you don't get a job still keep track of who you interviewed with right because that they still become a part of your network and a lot of times even though you couldn't get the role it's not because you weren't qualified for it it's probably that you just weren't you probably didn't have something they were looking for in that moment but if they had a different opening maybe you would have been the perfect person And a lot of times people who interview you they probably do like you and they would like to get to know you more but they're not sure if they should ask that of you so even ask that of them say hey you know sorry that this didn't work out but you know I would like to stay in touch with you and get to know you etc and you never know maybe in a few months or a year or whatever it is you guys might circle back around and they may have another opportunity for you either at that company or another one So this is this process as one you trying to land a job, you building your network and overall just finding your niche and community so that it is a very fruitful experience because it is fun. It hurts sometimes but it's fun. All right, thank you panelists for joining us. It's uh, really a pleasure to have you succeeding in product management and sharing giving back so early on in your journey. Red, speaking of giving back, you just have no end to your giving to the product management community. It's an absolute pleasure co-hosting the show with you. What are your concluding thoughts? For one, I absolutely appreciate the three of you for joining tonight and even when there's controversy, having the amazing candor to just continue the conversation. And that's the one thing I love about product managers, maybe more than all, is that uh, hard conversations and crucial conversations are best handled by PMs, in my opinion. So shout out to y'all. And uh, for anyone else who's listening in, my only take here is I think that when a product manager has the opportunity to talk to sales, take it. I come from the world of sales and one of my best allies at a company is always the product manager. It's it's surprising a lot of people think it's marketing or the CEO or the CFO. Nope. It's the person that decides the direction and the future of the product because that's the thing I'm selling at the end of the day. So, thank you for echoing that sentiment and uh, anyone else who needs to know how to approach a salesperson if they're nervous about the sales beast as an organization, I'm happy to teach you the ways to engage the animals, the zoo that is sales in your office. Over and out. Back to you, Jeff. All right, Red, thank you so much. Appreciate the energy you bring to this every single week. And real quick, shout out the, you know, the Product Management Center is really trying to develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. We've got the Inclusive Product Management Summit coming up this weekend, which is for everyone to expand what you think about innovations and who they serve. Really be mindful of those who are excluded and catch that earlier on in the process because doing so will make you a better product manager. You will drive success for your customers and drive success for your business. Huge shout out to Amazon, who is a platinum partner on both the Inclusive Product Management Summit 
And they are a platinum partner on the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator, the program which is uh, bringing new voices into product management, finding people such as Jerlisa, Dimple, and Joanne, brilliant, ready-to-be product managers. And all we do is let them shine, let them be who they are, and try our best to put them in touch with people who, uh, once they see how awesome they are, will hire them. So if you want to find the next uh, Jerlisa, Dimple, or Joanne, uh, that next uh, brilliant product manager who's not only going to succeed in the role, but is going to be in a family uh, that has support and gives support to others. Reach out to me, Jeff Schulman, find me on LinkedIn. We'd love to have more companies hiring from this program and hopefully more companies like Amazon who are sponsoring and helping us offer this program for free. So thank you, Jerlisa Dimple and Joanne. Really grateful to have you giving back to the community here. And everybody, we will see you next week on how to succeed in product management every single week, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. here on Clubhouse and uh, put out in a podcast available on every major podcasting app.